Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the BMcast. Not a podcast whose host is overtired from playing Commander until 6am, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by the Lorehold apprentice herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Hey, yeah, I'm doing well. Also tired, but not due to Commander. Um, <laughs> so I've had a really busy week with work, so I haven't done a lot in terms of like magic or playing. Mm-hmm. But over at TCG Player, I covered Vampires as a modern on a budget deck for the week. So yeah. if you've got some Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt cards lying around, um, you can turn those into like a semi-competitive modern deck for like FNMs and so forth. Mm-hmm. Also, I've been thinking about making another cube, which tends to be the thing when you have a cube, because once you've done one, you kind of want to do another one. Um, and I really like the idea of the, the plane focus ones, like the Jess guy's got a really good Innistrad cube as a good example. Yeah. So I thought about doing one for Zendikar. All right. Because you have, you've got the original Zendikar, you've got Battle for Zendikar, over Gatewatch, and then you've got Zendikar Rising. Yeah. And I just think with the with the dual flip, the DFCs with the lands just makes it really, really viable, all the landfall stuff. Yeah. I don't think there's many sets you can, or many planes you can make cubes out. Well, I think Innistrad's one, Zendikar's one, and Ravnica mm. is the other. People have done the other two, but I haven't really seen a Zendikar one, so I'm kind of interested in exploring that. Yeah. Um, so I might play around with that this week and just, you know, in between work, because who doesn't love cube? Otherwise, I've been back on my retro kick, so I've been playing a lot of Super Mario Bros. 3 on the Switch. I forgot how great mm. it is and difficult, but it's, it's really nice just to jump back in. Um, how about you? I am... Tired. Like I said, I'm extremely tired. <laughs> yes. There was a lot of yawning pre pre recording, so I got yeah. that impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very tired. I've been a very busy boy this week, uh, mostly with Commander. Yesterday, I joined Mr. Bevers on his stream, a link in the show notes, for Chat Chaos. So, Chat Chaos is like a normal game of Commander, except you use your Twitch channel points to influence the game, either to give people treasure or to have every player draw a card. Or there was one in particular called Tokens, which is where you flip cards from the top until you hit a non land permanent, and then you put a copy of it into play. I was playing with Chris, Commander Mechanic, and Donnie from Filthy MTG Casuals. Chris hit a. Massacre Worm off of his of course. Uh, tokens flip. So yeah, it was wild. It was wild. Uh, I ended up winning both games with commander damage, which was a nice achievement unlocked for me there. By the end of the last game, my Mo loyal companion was a 67-67 heckin' chonker. That's so, a big boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. In addition to that, I also played on Olivia Gobert Hicks's stream on Friday. Again, I'll link in the show notes. This was honestly one of the most wild streams I've ever been on. Not least of all because it started at 1.30 a.m. my time and it finished at around 6 a.m. Who needs sleep? Yeah. Right? Uh, The games were fantastic that we were playing with Logan from Twitter. Builds everybody's PC. Lovely guy. Uh, Amy the Amazonian and Aaron Hansen, also known as Ego Raptor, which people of the internet, you'll, you'll remember. Yeah. I won't spoil the games because the VOD is up on Olivia's Twitch. Again, I'll link it, but like they were wild super super fun outside of that i've been building and brewing some new decks first of all i'm working on an arkelos lagoon mystic deck the thing is they're known for being a sultai stacks commander but i'm building it very differently so first i plan to play a lot of permanents in the deck that naturally enter tapped so that when i have arkelos out they just enter untapped so i'm just playing more cool fun stuff that you don't normally see and secondly it's actually going to be a vehicles deck as well so Whenever I feel like anyone should just slow down a little, Arkelos can just get in his little car and take things easy and just like slow it down. Like there's no other stacks pieces. It's just him just being like, we're getting just, in the car and we're going slow. I just like the idea <laughs> of just like, no, hold on. I need to get into my smuggler's copter. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do some looting. Yeah. 
And the other deck is one that I actually threw together for the stream yesterday, which is a Velomachus Lorehold Sunforger Wheel Slinger deck. So, so many words that I like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Velomachus Lorehold. That's the main sort of win con, along with a couple of pingers like Gutter Snipe and stuff. Um, it, ha- it is a Sunforger deck. It's also a wheels deck. And there's a bunch of just like Spell Slinger good stuff in there as well. So... Yeah, it's definitely the most fun Boros deck I've ever played. Like, it's not even close. But aside from that, for content this week, whew, I'm nearly done, I promise. Uh, my article is on cards that break the singleton rule in Commander. So I dive into cards like Rat Colony, uh, Dragon's Approach, Persistent Petitioners, that kind of thing. I talk about the best ways to build them, cards to support them, and then the commanders that best suit them as well. That is now live on Card Kingdom, so you can go check that out after the show. And as for streaming, we have an interesting turn of events because we we're both, you and I, Emma, we're going to be on EDH Retcast stream this week, which as the time of your hearing this, it's going to be finished, but the VOD will be on their channel, which yep. again, I'll link in the show and notes. When the, and when the episode goes live on Thursday, we'll be fast asleep because we'll be yeah. playing at 2am. <laughs> we're starting at 2am. Starting at 2am. <laughs> so when you're listening to the episode, we'll be nicely tucked away in bed while you listen to us sounding really tired. <laughs> Yeah, oh, help us. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM cast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so, before we go any further, I believe it's my turn. I've lost count, but I'm just assuming it is. Yes, because Dan did it last week, yes. Yes. Storm of Souls is my card of the week. So it is four white-white for a sorcery, and it reads, Return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of them is a 1-1 spirit with flying in addition to its other types, and then exile Storm of Souls. So first of all, I need to give a little shout out to Danny in the Irish Magic Discord server, because he was actually the one to point this out to me and be like, this card's broken. I'm buying like 40 of them. I was like, okay. So I picked up a couple (laughs) myself. It's mass reanimation for six mana, which is pretty good. It's only from your graveyard as well, so it's not like, you know, Living Death or something crazy. It's just your bin. The creatures might return as 1-1s, but if you've got good ETB effects, that's fantastic. Six mana to reuse every single ETB in the bin is pretty bananas. But what's important to note here is they're also, they're not tokens. It doesn't make a token that's a 1-1. It brings them back, but just changes their power and toughness to 1-1. So if you flicker them, say like in a Brago deck or a Yorion deck, it'll reset their power and toughness. And then they're just back like normal. It's fantastic. Clever. So... I would recommend this. It's $1.29 at the moment. Um, I would highly recommend picking up a couple copies, especially for, you know, decks like that, like Brago and Yorion and stuff. Mm. Now, we have something a little different today. And I know we've said that a couple of weeks in a row now, but we're trying it out some new stuff. It is actually different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is definitely very, <laughs> this is very definitely different. definitely different. So we figured, like, you know, new year, new me kind of thing. So <laughs> we're doing a couple of different sort of tests of episodes and that kind of thing and this is one of them this is going to be like a deck building challenge of sorts so to give you a little bit of background on this 
Emma wanted to build a commander deck and she had a commander in mind and Emma is not as much into commander. Like Emma's much more into modern than I am. I'm more into commander than I am in modern. So she came to me and was like, I want to build Quintorius Field Historian deck, right? So first of all, if you don't know who Quintorius is, shame on you. You should know by now. One of Emma's favorite. Best elephant. Yes. So it's three, a red and a white for a two, four legendary elephant cleric. And it says, spirits you control get plus one, plus O. And whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, you create a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token. So you wanted to build around this, right? Because you like Lorehold and the whole history aspect. Yes. So the idea came about was due to the EDH rec stream that we would be playing because we record on a Sunday. So it hasn't happened yet. And I am keep getting invited to these gameplay streams and I don't really have a commander deck and I really like the idea of just having a commander deck. It doesn't have to be powered out. It doesn't have to be anything too too silly just to have something just so I can join like yourself, Scott, and other people just to mm-hmm. chill out and play EDH and, you know, help promote the podcast as well. My outlook on commander is that I like stuff that's thematic and just a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And when it came to Strixhaven, if you were listening to the podcast when it came out, I'm a bit of a history buff. I love history. I read a lot about it. And Lawhole kind of le- leads into that as a as a um, a college. I was going to say Guild, but as a college. <laughs> I really like the idea of just like powerful uncommon commanders as well, which yeah. we are starting to see. And Quintorius just grabbed me the idea of recurring stuff and doing XID stuff, which you don't normally see in red, as you know with Lelia, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I want to do like a quote-unquote history matters kind of EDH deck where it's just like lots of recursion, lots of artifacts and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So what we're doing today is we're going to go through the process of building the deck. And for the record, we put this deck together and finished it about five minutes before we hit record. So this is fresh, brand new. Uh, You'll be able to see the full deck list in the show notes. If you are a patron, you'll have access to that. And... What I'm basically going to go through is what I do when I build a deck. And it helps to give an insight into, hopefully anyway, give an insight into the way in which I approach deck building. Because it's, well, it's unique to everybody, but it's good to be able to get a couple of different ideas or aspects from different builders and brewers. So you can see where they're coming from and see where they come up with these different ideas and everything. So I have this here. We have the deck ready. We're going to jump in. Now, first of all, what... I do in the brew process, the very first thing I do is I will go to the EDH track page for the commander and see sort of what cards are being played. You know, what is the kind of feel that you're getting from it? And when I went to this page, there was a lot of like weird, bad spirits, but also a lot of like recursion, like bringing stuff from the graveyard back to hand or back to the battlefield or that kind of thing. So that is obviously going to trigger uh, Quintorius in order to get spirits and stuff. And the weird spirits that were listed there as well they will get the buff so it does seem like it's pretty heavily centered around spirits which is pretty cool to be honest like normally we see like blue white spirits but there's red white spirits so already it's interesting and different yeah because we're in boros as well i just wanted like a, a combat focus like wind condition so having yeah. like this incidental sort because pentorius is like half of a lord right he, he buffs yeah. he gives him plus one plus eight right so even though he's going to buff the spirits that he makes from removing cards from the graveyard, it's cool to have just have some just independently good spirit creatures to get that buff alongside it as well, because Boris is more of a combat-focused, aggressive colour pairing, right? So leaning into that a bit helps quite a bit. And it presents inevitability in a game of Commander. You don't want to be dirtling and not actually trying to win or yeah. end the game. Yeah, for sure. So 
what we kind of settled on was not leaning too hard on Quintorius's ability to just put stuff in the bin and then take it out again or exiling stuff though that's still relevant because that is going to be a way to just generate value as the game goes on so there are some like decent spirit creatures in here by themselves as well as just some generically good cards that happen to just synergize pretty well with it as well so we wanted to make sure that it was keeping on theme as well so we tried to fit as many like lore hold and strike saving cards in here as well while also not making it too expensive overall because we wanted to you know if we're going to give examples here there's no point in us rocking up with like a 700 dollars deck and being like hello budget magic cast listeners here is a deck you know yeah and plus i'm a big fan of starting off with something budget and then upgrading into it like getting for sure later on sort of thing um it's important to have a good starting point and i'm definitely in the camp of commander where i'm going to trade uh, when i'm going to trade pat like inherit power and trying to win every game for a bit of fun a bit of a, like a bit of a theme and that's what we're yeah, going with this for sure so what i'm going to do first is i'm going to talk about where i start and that is i normally start with a base shell when it comes to building decks so some people, they might take like the commander and go, oh, this card's cool, that card's cool, this card's cool, or whatever. And then you end up with like a pile and then you have to sort through it and all sorts of stuff. That, I can't do that. I just can't do it at all. So I start going, I know I'm going to need at least, say, 36 lands. So I just put in, you know, uh, 18 planes, 18 mountains. We'll worry about that later. We have that section of the deck cordoned off and we, don't, yeah. we, we can't touch it now, basically, f- for the time being. And the base shell, for me, with the start, is not just lands, but also the ramp, or the cost reduction cards. So I normally aim for like 47 to 50 cards in total in the deck that are dedicated to mana. So in this one, we actually have 36 lands and 10 pieces of ramp, because, as you'll see later, there's an awful lot of card velocity in here, like we're ripping through the deck pretty quick. So we have... 10 pieces of ramp here, like I said, it's like, you've got the classics, you've got the Sol Ring, the Arcane Signet, the Boros Signet, all that sorts of stuff. A couple of cool inclusions like Cursed Mirror, the three mana, mana rock that taps for red. It comes down and can become a copy of something until end of turn with haste. That's pretty neat. Heraldic Banner, because we are making a couple of spirits and also playing some spirits creatures themselves, we can pump them by plus one plus oh. So it's like Quintorius part two, you know? Yeah. Funny enough, card of the week from a couple of weeks ago, Honored Heirloom, also made it in here, which is the three mana mana rock that you can pay two tap to exile a card from a graveyard. That's incidental graveyard hate for your opponents, but you can also use it to get cards out of your bin in order to trigger Contorius, which is kind of neat. And then finally, you've got a Vessel of Endless Rest, which is a mana lit, except when it enters the battlefield, you put a card from your graveyard onto the bottom of your library. Again, a card is leaving. So these are the little synergistic things that like add up over the course of a few turns, you know? So we're already halfway through the deck. That's half the job done. The mana is sorted. We're at 46 cards covered. After that, I try to find, generally speaking, the removal and try and sort out like, because you're Mm going to have to interact. You know, you can choose not to put in removal. You'll just lose more games. That's fine if you want to do that, but most people don't. So, you know, you have classics, like you've got Source of Plowshares, you've got Chaos Warp. We decided to add Generous Gift because it's not necessarily Strixhaven themed, but it has an elephant on it. And Quintorius is an elephant, so like you couldn't not do it. Yeah, and plus it's just Quintorius just giving like a toy elephant to someone, so. Right? (laughs) Here's my gift. Here's my gift. Is this elephant relic? Enjoy. (laughs) It is a a copy of myself. Here you go. (laughs) 
And then when it came to the removal, Emma did come to me and say, like, I, you know, I want a couple of these specific cards in here. Like, Skyclave Apparition was one of them. Hmm. It's a spirit. It's it's cool card. It's honestly probably underplayed in Commander. Yeah, see, this is the interesting part of this process because I come with a constructive mindset. I'm 60 hmm. cards and play sets, whereas, you know, you're singleton and 100 cards. So, like, yeah. are these constructive playable cards... Did they transfer well to Commander? Like stuff like Skyclave Apparition mm. being a good example here. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to removal, you also have to include board wipes. And most decks want to have board wipes. But you're not necessarily wanting to have too many, especially in a creature-focused deck like this. You're going to be making tokens and stuff, so you don't want to destroy your entire board. Though, with that said, this is one of the better decks to be hit by a, a symmetrical wipe because yeah. you can make good use of the cards that go in the bin. Thanks to Quintorius. So one that I added in, which is synergistic in so many different ways, is Divine Reckoning. It's a four mana sorcery that says each player chooses a creature they control and destroy the rest. And it has flashback for seven mana. We'll get to them in a minute, but you have a lot of like cards that discard cards in order to draw more. So you can discard this for value and still have access to it. Another one that you were suggesting, actually, and I thought initially I wasn't sure, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, it's probably pretty good, actually. And that's Winds of Abandon. Yeah. where it's basically path to exile for all your opponent's creatures and not your own. If you're playing this late game while you have a decent board, like you just win the game. That just reads win the game. Yeah. So yeah, pretty good. This is roughly around when we started putting the removal in. Emma was asking about Sunforger. Yeah. So This seems, this seems really like... Because <laughs> every time I played a Boris deck, so I used a long, long, long time ago, I had mm-hmm. a Jorkadim, the Prevailer deck. Um, yeah. Which was like artifact aggro, equipment matters kind of thing. It's very, very basic. Just I remember Sunforge just being so good just because there's so many good white and uh, red instant cards. Mm. And I don't know if it just feels lazy that, oh, it's a Boris deck, therefore I need to add like a Sunforger package. <laughs> but like here it seems pretty good if we're running all this removal. Like we've got Chaos War, we've got Path to Exile, we've got Sorts of Plowshares, yeah. amongst others. So. Yeah, and to be honest, Sunforger is one of those cards that it's reliant on the other cards in the pool for its strength. So mm. the more the time goes on, the better Sunforger gets. And a good example of this is I purposely included, I know it's not quite thematic, but it is incredibly satisfying. And that is Tibble's Trickery is in here yeah. because there's nothing better than your opponents tapping down to cast a spell. And then you go to respond by detaching Sunforger and getting a Tibble's Trickery. And no then, one expects it. <laughs> right? And then chaos ensues. Like the thing is they could flip into something worse. Yeah. And like you're willing to take that risk because yeah. it's just it's wild and unpredictable. And that's the kind of thing that you want to be doing in Commander. So, mm. you know, but when we added Sunforger, I immediately was like, well, you know, we're going to have to add Settle the Wreckage because yes. you can you can pull that up out of your deck at instant speed. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, nice. possibly, possibly the best gotcha potential in the entire deck is yes. those two cards, Tibble's Trickery and Settle the Wreckage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Excited to cast those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So once you have the removal in, generally speaking, I try to lean towards uh, the value aspect, so the card draw within the deck. Now, mm. the card draw that you put in the deck, for me, I tend to build quite a lot of like commander centralized decks. So they tend to be quite heavily, re- not necessarily reliant on the commander, but they a lot of the pieces synergize with it. So if your commander has like a card draw or card advantage engine built in, you don't necessarily need to add a whole lot of value. Now, Quintorius gives you value in the form of spirits, but it doesn't give you actual cards, mm. which, you know, they are different. As, as similar as they are, they are different. 
and that's why there's quite a lot of value in here there are 17 cards that we've put in here that are technically under the sort of the heading of value right now some things are a little different like for example we've got clarion spirit in here which thematically it's the spirit but whenever you cast multiple spells in a turn you'll just get extra spirit tokens so that's value in some form but there are other ones like say we have unexpected windfall so you discard a card in order to draw two cards and you make treasure you're not up more cards in hand but because we have a load of things that go into the bin and provide value from there, like flashback and stuff, it's essentially card advantage. So we have a lot of stuff like that. We have things that allow you to sort of reuse things that you put in the bin, like Conspiracy Theorist or like Bag of Holding, yeah. where when you discard cards, they do hit the bin and then they leave in order to yeah. go under Bag of Holding, which will trigger Quintorius and then also put those under the bag for you to go and get later. So it's extra super value. Uh, I played this in Lelia. I have a lot of fun with it. I love Bag of Holding so much. It's so not good. only Not only is it D&D related, it's just a fun design card. Yeah, I mean, the, the archaeologist, he's got to have his little baggie to carry his relics. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's so thematic. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were looking at the value and we got that part done, we realized that like we're putting a lot of stuff in the bin and you're not necessarily always going to want to put that stuff in the bin and leave it there. So recursion is probably important. Now... I've put on the list of the base shell on the show notes here, you normally want like one to three recursion pieces, like just some good value, like a, like a Balaged Recovery or an Archaeomancer or something like that. Here, we went a little bit more hard on it because we're deliberately filling our bin. So we have stuff like Return Pass Caller is kind of an Archaeomancer, except it's more expensive, but it can also bring back a spirit if you want. And it's a spirit itself. So, you know, it's a little more synergistic and it's from Lorehold itself. So that's kind of cool. We decided that we were going to put in Emma Wanted Late for Dinner because it's a good card. Let's be real. Yeah. It's got an elephant on it. It's one of my favorite cards printed from last year. Not only because the the effect is good and you get a free token, but more Mm -hmm. just the fact that there's this elephant and this rhino just having dinner. (laughs) And then even if... Even although the elephants died and moved on, they're still late for dinner. <laughs> it's just like it's just a it's just a funny like from a flavorful concept. It's yeah. really really funny. I find it really endearing. Yeah. Also, the elephant on it is technically a spirit in the art See, as well. There so we like go. it's, it's double thematic. Yeah, it's so smart. Yeah, I'm I'm, ho- I'm hoping that it's coming across that like these kind of like synergies and stuff in terms of theme doesn't necessarily mean that you have to play bad cards either because these are all like perfectly they're good fine. cards they're really good you know? cards like it's just it's just those little details i think yeah I quite for like sure those. and thankfully because lorehold had loads of good cards for this kind of stuff we have like venerable war singer as well mm-hmm. so this is one that I, i'm particularly hopeful on it's three mana for a three three with vigilance and trample and it's a spirit as well and whenever it deals combat damage to a player you return a creature card with mana value x or less from your graveyard to the battlefield where x is the amount of damage that it dealt to that player so first of all it's repeatable recursion which is great every time it triggers it will trigger quintorius and quintorius buffs it as well as all of the other buffs that we're going to see here as well like even in the mana base the heraldic banner and stuff so you're going to be able to bring back bigger and better things more often which is really really sweet you wanted to put in Savine's Reclamation, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. It's got flashback. It's just got that value of bringing something yeah. back. A lot of our, you know, spirits are free CMTLS, and there's other permanents in there that you can bring back. And the flashback just triggers Quintorius as well. So it just seems yeah. a generically good value card in white. For sure. And I think this kind of touches on something that I feel that a lot of players aren't really doing, particularly with red in Commander. And that is... 
using the likes of Faithless Looting and Unexpected Windfall and Tormenting Voice, that kind of thing, and getting good proper value out of it using stuff like Flashback. There are a lot of Flashback spells that you can use in decks that are just generically fine and decent, yeah. but if you're discarding those cards, like you may as well get the value and, and just add more of these into your decks in general. Like This is why, for example, my Lelia deck never runs out of gas because it's full of flashback stuff and a couple of retrace things which brings me to like it's it's a slight tangent because we've already gone past the value part but throws of chaos needs to be in basically every red deck ever it's so good so if you don't know what it is it's a four mana sorcery with cascade and retrace and that's it so you cast it it'll cascade into something with three or lower mana value and then anytime you draw a card and it's a land you can just pitch it into the bin in order to recast Throws of Chaos. So every land that you get is now just a redraw. Yeah, it's fantastic, but I digress. So with all of this, we're we're starting to see the deck sort of come together. But the thing that we're missing here for a lot of this stuff is that we need to, we have the value, we have the removal, we have the mana in which to do all of this stuff, but we need to start sort of developing a board and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, you'll notice that an awful lot of the stuff that we have here already is going to start putting together stuff with Quintorius. And a lot of the recursion things and a lot of the like value pieces and all that sorts of stuff, they're all creatures as well that are all pretty much nearly all spirits. So they're all going to get buffed with Quintorius and you're going to get some tokens. But when it comes to being able to sort of close out the game, you need to have some good pieces that are going to like pressure opponents properly. So... First of all, Hoffrey Ghostforge is yeah, like a very, a very easy inclusion. Five mana, four, five, that gives spirits you control, plus one, plus one, trample and haste. And then whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you exile it, which will trigger Quintorius again. And if you do, you make a token that's a copy of it, except it's a spirit, so it'll also get buffed. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. It's It does literally everything the stack wants to do. And... We're getting we're getting to a point where we're starting to get a lot of these like buff effects. So you have Quintorius, you have Hoffrey Ghostforge, you have the Heraldic Banner. We've also included in here uh, Emma like the look of Radiant Destiny. You choose a creature type in this case spirits, and the buff them all by plus one plus one. And if you have the city's blessing, which you will, you're going to have a million permanents on board. They're all going to have vigilance as well because this is a very attack focused deck. Like you want to do a lot of value and incidentally develop a huge board. You don't want to attack out and then just be left naked on the crackback in order to... Like, you'll just get killed, you know, if you're presenting this much of a threat. People will come together and fight against you, you know? So giving Vigilance in this kind of deck is surprisingly powerful. But if you can't attack, good ways to close out the game is stuff like Impact Tremors. Yeah. Because you're just incidentally doming people every time you play creatures. So it's a nice way to get some reach in. Same with, like, Fuming Effigy. If Fuming Effigy is a 4-mana four 4-3 four, common from Strixhaven, so again, thematic, but whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, it deals one damage to each opponent, which is mm. going to happen a lot. So you have an awful lot of reach here. To close the game properly, the one card that I suggested to put in was Drogskull Reinforcements. Not quite yeah. as thematic because it's from Innistrad, but giving all your spirits melee and preventing all non-combat damage, like Blasphemous Act now means nothing. I didn't know this card existed until you mentioned it before the recording. I was like, wow, this card's great. Isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So the idea is we're, we're, we're incidentally through valuing, we're building a huge board and then we're, we're cracking out with huge wind cards. You say, you say it's not flavorful because it's on Innistrad. What if Quintorius is actually a Planeswalker and just went to Innistrad and just found it, you know? Good point. (laughs) I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with having an elephant cleric Planeswalker. I'm on board. 
Yeah. Come on, what's he? Sort it out. <laughs> so, one thing that we also wanted to do is to make sure that this deck had a lot of safety. So if you wanted to, like if you were a little slow off the get-go, you wanted to make sure that the deck wasn't just going to get jumped on by opponents, or if you like that go and attack out, you don't want to get killed on the crackback. So there were some pretty pretty useful and uh, powerful things for this. Like Windborne Muse yeah. is a ghostly prison on a creature, which also happens to be a spirit. That was just nice coincidence there. Yep. You have other flashback stuff like prismatic strands to prevent all damage from sources of a color of your choice that will deal that turn. You have a very flavorful spirit that I'm very glad that you wanted to put in here. Guardian of Faith. Yeah, uh, I really it, like the idea of phasing phasing out. This seems really good with like tokens and stuff so you don't lose them. Exactly. So, so good. Two spirits that I was happy to see you wanting to put in as well. Selfless Spirit to give your whole team indestructible and Remorseful Cleric to sacrifice and nuke a graveyard, yeah. which is pretty sweet. Also, I had to add Lelia as well, because if not, I think you would uh, you would be moaning at me. It's very the good. The card is very yeah. good. The card's very, like, it's very synergistic. It's very thematic as well. Um, it'd be really yeah. not to add it. Super, super sweet. And Kami of False Hope also happens to be a one-mana 1-1 one, one spirit that you can just sacrifice it. it. It puts itself into the bin for you. Like It's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the, the deck started to really come together, which is... It, it's a wild mix of stuff. It's a Sunforger deck, which is also a Spirits deck, but also a Tokens deck, but also a like Discard Exile deck. And, Recursive. Yeah, and it, it sounds like that's just a pile of nonsense. But like when you see all the pieces and how they like work together, it is like I think the description that I use for my Lelia deck will apply to this. And it's like it's an aggressive Rube Goldberg machine. Yes. Like you're like just that. moving cards between zones and suddenly everyone's dead. I like, like taking game actions and moving cardboard into one place to another. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of deck for that. And this is the kind of deck that I think when people say that like, oh, you know, Boros or, or Red or White or whatever don't yeah. really have like good advantage or, or card draw or this kind of thing. I direct them to decks like this because you don't necessarily build you can't necessarily build like Simic decks do because that's the Simic deck's strong point. And I know that like, you know, in an ideal world, white would have better card draw naturally that will just have like cards that actually say draw cards or whatever. And Mm. same with red, though red is getting much, much better. It's like, you just have to build it differently. And this is kind of the way to do it that I can see now. I, like I said, I've had enormous success with Lelia and that is just red. And it's all impulse draw and it's all exiling stuff from the graveyard and discarding mm-hmm. stuff and flashback. And it really works. It's so powerful. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Emma, I, now that we've built this deck, I'm looking at it going like, hmm, Do you want to build it yourself? Do I kind of want to <laughs> take this for a spin? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it we ever play great. Commander in person, <laughs> yeah. you're welcome to borrow it. <laughs> we'll do a swap, yeah. We'll do a swap, please. Oh, it, it, it just looks so fun. It looks yeah, so, so, so really fun. Yeah, so really excited. So after this recording, I'm going to pick it up. Um, and hopefully, I would have played it on the EDH Rec stream, at least in some form. Mm. Fingers that's, crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. That's my hope. Um, if not, I have something else lined up. But I would like to play my Elephant Boy. Yeah. Yeah, so that is kind of it. So I, I know I sort of talked 
a lot about like the different cards that go in the deck and stuff but i hope that i was able to get across the different sort of how one starting at one part of the deck chains into the next part and into the next part and stuff and this is how i go because i'm very synergy driven when it comes to building decks i hate if if there's a way to annoy me is to hand me a deck that's just full of good stuff and be like there you go i'm like well what's the deck want to do uh, win the game yeah. mm-hmm. this isn't what i want at all like i it just it's like sticking a spanner in the works. No. What I want is like a deck where the commander works with the cards and the cards work with each other and you're maximizing everything in the deck for satisfaction of play, first of all. There's, there's a lot to be said about playing a deck that feels good. It doesn't matter if it doesn't win. If you are satisfied in playing it, you're taking your game actions and, and those game actions are enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That's like 80% of your enjoyment right there. Oh, yeah, it's definitely my enjoyment. It's just I want I like to be involved. It doesn't involve yeah. involvement doesn't necessarily mean winning, right? It's just having a good time. And mm-hmm. we had this conversation last week with AAK Alters. It's just like having this cool thematic deck, which people compliment on. It's like, oh, that's a really fun take on yeah. Boris. You know, this is a really cool idea. That's more important to me than just going, yeah, I need to win this game because yeah. that's all that matters, kind of thing. It's a different Absolutely. sort of outlook. Yeah, for sure. One thing that we do have to note because it is something that people are going to spot if you look in the deck list and that is there is an infinite combo in here and there is good reason for it so first of all the combo is revel arc and karmic guide so the way it works is you use goblin bombardment to sacrifice revel arc which will trigger and bring back karmic guide which will trigger and bring back revel arc and so on the goblin bombardment damage will obviously kill your opponents out but it also triggers with quintorius or hoffrey ghostforge to sort of splinter twin as well yeah so the reason that that's in here is it's not in order to just turbo out to it as quick as possible but if you're sitting there and it's like turn 14 it's been an hour and a half and it's starting to slow down and people are starting to get a little bored you can kind of just crack this out and go okay game two i see i see infinite combos in commander as a fail switch just as a last ditch like i have this thing can we go to the next game if people are unwilling just to scoop up and go to another game it gives you a good opportunity to force that it's like i have this shall we go to another game because there's nothing worse than playing a commander game for like two hours and someone's side drift and not done anything afterwards right yeah Um, and i kind of hate that i think that's more troublesome i think that's more of an issue than you know than people let on but yeah for sure now when it comes to this combo as well we did want to put in the infinite combo to have that kill switch to just be like game's over let's start again But what's important here is every single piece of that combo is really, really good in the deck by itself. Yeah. So Karmic Guide will just reanimate something. That's good because you're going to bring back something that you want and you're going to trigger Quintorius or Revelark is going to do the same. And yeah, they just work by themselves. And that's super, super important because if you're putting in like an emergency win con or whatever and they don't do anything else, then they're just dead in hand. You know, like dedicated only infinite for the sake of having infinite. If they don't do anything, you you, you feel more incentivized to just go for the infinite more often because you're yeah. like, well, if I don't, this is a dead piece of cardboard, mm. you know? So it's about the mindset as well, it, it, depending on how you choose to go infinite in the decks as well. So, mm. yeah. So anybody that wants to check out this deck, you can do so. The deck list is in the show notes. And if you want to talk to us in the BMcast Discord... You can head on over there and chat to us about the deck there as well. If you want to ask about like any choices of inclusions or why I didn't include one thing over the other or whatever, that's totally fine. You can go right ahead there. 
Also recommendations yeah. as well. Like, 100%. We've probably missed some stuff because, you know, there's so many cards in Commander and someone else may have built a Quintorius deck or an artifact-based recursive sort of strategy and going, you know what, this this really obscure card from this really old set is really, really good mm-hmm. and there's like a common and it's cheap sort of thing. Like, recommendations yeah. are also welcome and we're pretty open-minded to... Because it's likely a card that we've never seen here. You know what, this is cool. We should talk about this on the cast. That kind of thing. Yeah. As, as many cards as I've seen now since getting properly into Commander, I still have not seen anywhere near enough like i still find new cards every single day and i'm like what even is that like (laughs) (laughs) constantly constantly (laughs) so yeah to be honest this is a wild deck because i didn't expect sunforger to be so easy yeah because we just included a load of cards that we were going to include anyway and then the sunforger just appeared and we were like well there's no way to tutor for it but it kind of doesn't matter because if you get it it's just going to be good and if you don't your deck is still just good, so yeah, it's a bonus. It's, it's free real estate, you know. But yes, I, I think I think I'm going to stop talking about the deck for now because otherwise <laughs> I will literally be here forever. Because if there's one thing I can do forever and ever and ever, it's talk about commander decks and how they're built and yeah. how they play and yeah. It's almost like you write an article every week about it. Well, yeah, I yeah, every week. Yeah, yeah. Funny, I right? did the maths by the way, and I if for this week alone, I think I've played about thirty hours of commander. Jeez, that's so much. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous. That's a, that's a lot of magic to play in one week. Yeah, I mean, like, it was at the detriment to my sleep schedule. Of but, course. You know. <laughs> of course. Let's leave it there for this deck. This was the first sort of, I suppose, pilot or test run of, uh, yeah, like, a building concept, a brew or deck building challenge or commander challenge, whatever we're going to call it in the end. But... Yeah, if you liked this, do let us know. And if you have any suggestions for commanders or anything, you can let us know as well, either on Twitter. Uh, you can get me at Savantir. You can get Emma over at Emzine. You can get both of us over at the BM cast. Or you can pop into the Discord server, like we said, which you can find over on Twitter. Yeah. So with that, oh, Emma, I'm real tired now. Let's round it out <laughs> with some uh, Q&A. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a question from the Joe Cheney from the BMcast Discord. Um, mm. They ask, if you could bring a single commander card into modern, what it would be? And to be honest, I'm pretty stumped on this one. Okay. Well, I did some thinking about this before recording, and I have a couple of sort of honourable mentions, I guess. Uh, yeah. So first of all, Phyrexian Tower, I think, will be cool, because mm. I think there is potential for like a sacrifice-heavy deck for modern, but I think it needs just a little extra push. And I think Phyrexian Terror might be cool. Now, I could just be missing something entirely and it could just be broken in half. And it's likely. <laughs> but like, it's in Historic and it's fine there. So like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a way of looking at it, yeah. I also realized Anger isn't in the format. And I think that's I'm, kind I of I was wild. really surprised when I saw this on the show notes. I thought it was because yeah. Wanda is modern legal thanks to Modern right? Horizons 2. Yeah. And I was just like, I just assumed they completed the cycle of, you know, those kind of cards. But apparently Anger's not. That really surprises me. Yeah. Now, I am aware that it would make Dredge kind of ridiculous. But like... Yeah, that's that's the problem here, right? You but know what? Whatever. <laughs> just, ban, just ban Dredge. Ban Stingwig and Imp, finally. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And then the <laughs> final, like, honourable mention, I guess, is Priest of Titania because... I like this one a lot. Like, I'm not an Elves player. I have no particular interest in it. But I think it's neat to have Elves exist. And I think it would be a nice shot in the arm for the deck. So Yeah, because <laughs> Modern Elves is, like, the worst sort of... The weakest out of all the Elves that you can play, like, including yeah. Pauper and including Legacy. Modern is the weakest one. It could do with a shot in the arm. I don't know if... Why, I think Wildwood Symbiote might be too good. But I think Priestess is, is a, a fine addition. 
And now I'm fully aware that my actual choice for this is this probably is just absolutely cracked, right? Yeah. But I think Jessica's will will be awesome to see. It'll be. <laughs> too, I think it'd be too good. Like it'd be fun to see, but I don't think. I agree. Be... I think it would be too good, but I want it. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I still don't know what I'd want. Um, like my mind's like blank. But then again, I don't really think about Commander Focus cards too much. I was like thinking Ooh. through Commander Legends, and I'm like what would you want to see Commander Legends and it's just like mm. how about like something for Bogles like Ancestral Mask Ancestral Mask would be cool that yeah. would be sick and then, and then I could just play Pauper Bogles in, in Modern and just fling people <laughs> one deck to do two formats sounds pretty good yeah I'm, I'm all for it and then Joe Chaney asked a question on Twitter which I guess is aimed at me um, and they asked, have I had any good beer recently? And the answer is yes. I had a lovely mango and pale ale at the brewery the other day and it was delicious and refreshing because mango nice. is an S-tier fruit. Mango's pretty good. Mango is very good. Mm. Then we have a question from Kilgore Trout 503 from the BMCast Discord. And they ask, what decks are better positioned after the Pauper Band and Restricted update? Uh, if you don't know, we uh, the Pauper format panel that I'm a part of and mm-hmm. Wizards of the Coast banned some Pauper guards last week. Uh, so Atog, Prophetic Prism, and Bonazorm are uh, banned in Pauper. So. And mm-hmm. interestingly enough, the Pauper challenge happened last weekend or the weekend before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Affinity won that, which is kind of interesting to see as well. Yeah. So as for decks that I think are better positioned, I would say two things. First of all, all of your brews, any brews, are significantly better now because we've originally Tron just used to dumpster them constantly. Yes. Like if your if your deck couldn't be couldn't beat Delver and couldn't beat Tron, then it's it's bad and stop playing it. Essentially, was the the sort of mindset. I I feel like you would have better game against the likes of Tron and stuff now for sure. And Affinity is you know it it has gotten cut down. Whether it has been cut down enough, it's a, like real hard to tell. So we're just gonna have to see. But the other thing that I would say is better position now is probably Delver decks as well. Yeah. So, yeah, blue is looking real strong. So, yeah. like anything blue, anything with Monarch is probably where I'd want to settle if I was thinking competitively. Mm. But Pauper is that kind of format where you can kind of play anything that you want. Um, you don't have to play the same old decks every time. Like creativity yeah. is a thing. So I agree with you. Like just playing what, just playing any old fly on the wall thing that you want to try out is is the best way here. But when bans happen, it takes a few weeks for things to settle. you got Neon Dynasty coming out soon as well, so don't know what that's going to do to the format. So it's just best to play what you're comfortable with and what you kind of want to just experiment with, because it's a really good window to do so. Yeah. Um, then we have uh, Mickey from the BMCast Discord. They ask, you have both shown us some very interesting and fun deck brews for different formats, but how often... Do you have the desire to revisit some old brews and see the changes you want to make? So do you ever look back mm. and go, you know what, I want to upgrade this because a set's come out, a couple of sets have come out. Yeah, there's there's some times when that happens. And I think one of the best examples that I could think of off the top of my head is the Monored Hollowen deck. So when Modern Horizons 2 came out, when I saw the likes of Asmorana, Mardika Dyson, the Kuldakar and the Underworld Cookbook, I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure we could fit that in there somewhere and do something silly. And then also the Feasting Troll King from Eldraine now suddenly is relevant. And, you know, that's how that spawned, like, possibly my favorite budget deck of all time. And for me, it's it's nearly always set off by a card appearing in a new set that triggers me to go, oh, that deck I did that time. Do you remember that? Yeah. And yeah. jump back and then suddenly the deck is, like, good or fun or actually playable, you know, depending on situation. 
So I think that's what does it for me. Yeah, I think for me, because I, I look at this from a cube aspect. I know that's not a deck, but I tend to think, oh, you know, Infernal Grasp is a really good example recently mm. from uh, Midnight Hunt. I'm like, oh, this is much better than so-and-so. I should probably replace, you know, the Doomblade. That's where I kind of go. Um, but Pauper EDH is a good example. I've still got my Soul Herder Pauper EDH deck. Mm. And if there's any cool blink effects that come off of Common and Uncommon, which they do, and I'm just like, oh, man, I need to I need to revisit it and add that. Even though I haven't played the deck in ages, I like to keep it up to date because there will be a time where I revisit it and want to play it instead of going, oh God, I've got to look at a year's worth of cards just to bring this up to speed, you know? Mm. So sometimes it's good just to have that momentum. Um, I think that would be my example. Yeah. Right, so we've got a question from Eclipse Meteor off Twitter. They ask, Mm -hmm. what do you think of the inclusion of so many legends in the last few years to contribute to Commander and, you know, the budget bills, like the affordability of Commander? I think... I mean, based on this episode alone where we picked (laughs) an Uncommon Commander and showed how we can make a really, really sweet deck with it, I think it's great. I think it's so good. Because, like, I know that, like, there are some, like, older Commander players that have been around for years and they're like, oh, it's not the same anymore because look at all these. You're getting, like, 50 new Legends a set. And I'm like, look at all these new, different, wild, crazy, weird, awesome decks that I'm going to see. And, like, it's going to get to a point where, and we're already getting close to it, where you sit down to a pod and, like, you might even see, like, a Commander you've never seen before. Like, as in built in a deck or... You, you'll play against one commander and then you won't play it against it again despite playing regularly. You won't see it for another three months or something. And that's awesome. It's so cool. I think what I like about it, so I'm quite big on uncommon, uncommon commanders, hence I wanted to build Quintorius. Yeah. And they came back, what, in Dominaria, which was, what, five, six years ago now? Mm. And just through seeing so many cool uncommon like commanders, this brought Artisan as a, as a viable format. This uncommon and common sort of format is produced like a sub-format for, the, for Commander overall. And I just yeah. love the idea that you can have these powerful commanders that aren't like mythic rares and over, you know, super you know, powerful or whatever. Like Tatiova is also a really good example. I just think it's really cool and it's really good. Because it doesn't necessarily mean it's a mythic, therefore it's powerful. Like the lower the rarity means that as well. Um, and it's just it's just really good to see. There's a lot of options, and anything that gets people into magic more affordably is, is a is a plus in my eyes. So yeah, for sure. Keep it up. Um, and then we got a tweet from Ev the Mage ninety seven. And they just uh, tweet in to say, Settle the Wreckage is a fun, white, psychotic rift, as we talked about earlier. Agree. Um, <laughs> and if you're looking for sweepers, it's one of the best. It's also less than $5, so it's, there's no harm in picking up a few for those white commander decks and yeah. reaping the salt from your opponents. Honestly, in Commander, I think it's actually fantastic because it will actually feel less bad there because they'll attack you and you'll be like, well, you know, Settle the Wreckage or whatever. And like they'll be like, well, this sucks, but at least I got a nice shot in the arm for ramp but you can also use it if as a political piece if your opponent is attacking another opponent you can be like well i'll take care of this for you saddle a wreckage you owe me (laughs) which is quite nice so and then they don't owe you and then you just get really upset yeah well you know (laughs) welcome to commander (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast, and a special thanks to our patrons. However, we've had more patrons join recently than we could fit into our usual outro, so we've got to speed this up a little bit. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Bradley Rose, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jamie Coyle, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Morgan Roberts, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, and Zachary Morrow. And at the Stonks tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Rogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, and Simon Grip. Whew. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.